What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on the mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. And in the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listener and thought leaders, to explore what needs to get done. Joining me today is Tonya Rees, who's the Executive Director of Intellectual Property at Edelman. Edelman has studied trust for more than 20 years and believes that it is the ultimate currency in the relationship that all institutions, companies and brands, governments, NGOs and media build with their stakeholders. Edelman's primary trust research, the Edelman Trust Barometer, turns the deep data they collect into real-world insights. And under Tonya's leadership, the Trust Barometer has evolved from an annual global study to include an ongoing series of reports that examine trust across stakeholders and study the expectations for business and other societal leaders across issues such as return to office, climate change, and systematic racism. Tonya, thanks so much for being with us today. So glad to be here, Sebastian. To set the stage, and I always start with the same question, is how would you describe the state of media and journalism today from your perspective, uh, being a leader of the trust barometer? It is um, filled with people who are working very hard and are very earnestly trying to get good information out there. But the distribution system is so challenged right now for quality content. Um, and as, uh, as, as, as you know, and as I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast know, uh, there's been a combination of issues that had challenges that have just really created uh, serious distrust in news sources of all kinds. So being a journalist in that environment is very challenging right now. Is there something specifically you can say on uh, the news outlets? Well, some of, some of the problems that news outlets are facing are of their own making, of course, right? But then some are due to external forces that are a combination, you know, really primarily driven by technology disruption, um, but then obviously also some bad actors who are trying to exploit the distrust and, you know, have benefit from distrust. So I don't want to point the finger too much at the news outlets themselves, but um, uh, if you like, we can start with some of their sins. <laughs> the thing is, I spoke a lot to uh, news organizations and all say, hey, distrust media is a large problem, but people trust our brands. <laughs> and that is very often true, right? That people will tell you, oh, I hate politician, but of course the one that they voted for uh, is highly trusted. And I, and absolutely the same thing is true with news outlets themselves. Unfortunately, that's one of the challenges, right? Which leads to people falling into echo chambers um, and going down uh, a rabbit hole because maybe they're not always choosing their news echo chamber very wisely. Um, and as a result, it becomes more and more difficult for us to, as a society, arrive at a shared understanding of the truth and what is really happening, right? And that's one of the big challenges that, and ways in which the, the disruption in the news right now 
um, has created larger problems. You know, in fact, our uh, January report this year, the main trust barometer report, we talked about the fact that the um, pandemic, the COVID pandemic is um, also happening at the same time that we are in the midst of an infodemic. Um, and the two are in fact making each other worse. I, I've seen a video from you in 2017 and there you, maybe you were one of the first ones, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, using the word echo chamber. Is there, could, could you unpack that for our listener? I, you know, it's it's basic human nature, right? When you when you look at psychology and what do people trust, you're obviously you're you're more likely to believe something that you already agree with, right? Something that already aligns with your views and feelings. And so we have, you know, to oversimplify, we have moved from an environment where uh, when uh, when I was young, very young. You know, there were just two or three channels on television and just two or three newspapers that everyone read uh, to get their news from. Today, there is an unlimited number of sources and, you know, podcasts uh, in, um, in every uh, home studio. <laughs> so, um, so it is much more what, what we have lost essentially is the trusted editor whose job it is to sort through the news for me and give me a prepackaged diet of information, right? That has already been vetted. It is now up to me and each one of us to be our own editor and make our own choices about what content we expose ourselves to. And so people will choose the content that aligns with their values, aligns with their beliefs. Um, and unfortunately, those who are going, who are exploiting this change have found, have discovered that, um, the more outrageous the content, the more extreme the views, the more addictive the, the news podcast or the news uh, out, outlet is going to be to its audience, right? And so we have arrived at a point where people, uh, the, the level of um, polarization, right, in political views and the level of extremism on really any side of how issues are packaged, um, you know, continues to become greater and greater. And people who watch a certain type of news will only watch that type of news and not realize how far um, into an extreme sort of corner they've gotten until we are at a point today where people who watch news, perhaps to oversimplify on the left versus the right, literally are living in different worlds and having completely different experiences of what is happening in the world. And so when we then think about how do we work together and collaborate across society, uh, perhaps even across nations, across industry sectors to solve big problems, big existential problems, such as the pandemic or climate change, you know, perhaps is another one you might be concerned about. Um, it becomes almost impossible to even have a, a conversation uh, because people have such different sense of what the reality is. What I really liked on your first answer was that you very early on in the answer uh, used the word distribution, the state of media today. How much of uh, what has the impact of distribution been? How how big of a part is distribution in, in the problem? Um, well, it's just that the, the, again, the, 
the flow of information, right? And who controls what information I'm exposed to, that has been really the largest shift, right? In, in that I am now responsible for curating my own newsfeed, if you will. And to the extent that news feeds are created and pushed to me, they're now driven by considerations that go beyond making sure I have a trustworthy, credible set of information, right? They're driven by considerations that have more to do with keeping eyeballs sticky, right? If I'm no longer signing up for a one-year subscription to a newspaper, but instead every day you have to earn my click again, right? Then it really does become about being the loudest voice to get my attention so that I click on that headline, as opposed to giving me perhaps thoughtful, not necessarily loud, but thoughtful information um, that is accurate and reliable. And um, a hard question, do people actively seek out for trustworthy information when reading, or is it not what they want? Uh, that is a great question, right? And people will fall as news consumers fall into many different categories. But what we are seeing in the trust barometer research is increasingly, especially since about 2017, when we first wrote our report about fake news and people's level of concern about fake news initially as an external factor and an external threat, right? Coming from outside, bad actors, foreign bad actors who are trying to disrupt our election or create unrest in society in some way. And that became something people were aware of. Today, of course, we understand that it's not just necessarily external forces, right, that are disrupting our news sources. But what, what our data has shown is that the general population has become much more aware of this issue. Uh, much more concerned and is, in fact, um, in January, we found that people are, the majority of people are saying, I want to improve my own information habits, right? I want to practice better information hygiene, check sources, you know, do all the right things so that I can make sure I'm getting accurate, trustworthy information. The problem, of course, is people, even if they have that intention, don't necessarily know how to do it and how to practice good information hygiene. And then, of course, there are many people who really don't, as you say, pay, necessarily pay attention to that uh, or who are not actively seeking news content, you know, that is reliable and trustworthy. And they just perhaps go with by whatever they see in their Facebook feed or whatever their friends are talking about. One of the things we work on is bringing, and that we do that with blockchain technology, bringing transparency. So where did information come from? And accountability, who's the sender of information uh, to information that matters, like news information, terms and conditions, stuff like that. And we rolled out an ecosystem with a prize we won from the European Commission. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, thank, thanks. And but, but leading into my question, is there a role for government here? I believe that government needs to think very hard about what role it wants to play and what role it should play. Um, you know, I, I am by nature an optimist, Sebastian. So I believe, I, I would like to see this 
less so as a period of, you know, a desperate decline in trust in news, right? Because all of these trends that we've been talking about affect even reputa uh, high reputation news sources as well, right? So just because perhaps social media cannot be trusted, it affects the traditional journalists and the, 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 the broadcast ones as well. So rather, but rather than seeing being pessimistic that this is the end of reliable news media, I think we're, what we're in is a period of transition, right? And I do still believe in the original promise of the internet and of open source access to information, right? That it is better for people to have access to more information rather than for that information to be controlled, right? By a few outlets and powers, right? So the question is, how do we now bring some order into the chaos? And how do we give me as a consumer of news, the control, as you say, to really see how the news and the information I'm seeing was put together who is going to be accountable for it being accurate and reliable, right? And I think it is, um, it's absolutely going to be a combination of technology, innovation in business models, and very likely some oversight from the government as well. Um, I tend to be very cautious though about the government piece of this, right? Because depending on which government you're talking about, you may or may not trust them to simply act as a, a neutral player in the equation, right? Rather than imposing their own agenda. One of the things we discussed with the European Commission is be it GDPR. GDPR wasn't wonderful in how it's created or how it was designed, but it, it's a tool set for the consumer to erase their data or to, it's more of facilities to have more privacy facilities. And yeah, what we propose is a next step, the ability to check in an open source way what the source is or how it changed over time. So yeah, I fully agree on uh, what, what you say on governance. What's the role of the platforms, the social media platforms, and um, what can they do? Is there something from your research you can share on that? You know, social media platforms, as, as you know, are increasingly being seen as the bad actors. Right. And to a great extent, um, that reputation is, is pretty well deserved, not so much because of the service they provide or perhaps even the business model that incentivizes advertising and, you know, certain, you know, and clickbait and things like that. But really, because let's be honest, the platforms have not been fully transparent with their users about either how they work, right? How they make choices about what content to serve up or what they do with the information they collect about you or even what information they collect. And so I think the platforms have a lot of work to do to think about how they become a lot more honest with their users. Um, you know, the old adage of course, is that uh, any industry that refers to its customers as users already, you know, is showing that its business model is maybe not the most respectable, you know, and I think perhaps that if uh, social media platforms started thinking of us as more as customers than users, that already might help uh, improve the situation quite a bit. What's the future of publishing from all you've seen uh, being a great steward and leader for the Trust Power Media? 
I think that, uh, you know, look, you mentioned the role of government, right? And of course, one of the other problems with government involvement is that right now, globally, the trust barometer shows that media is the least trusted institution. Government is the second least trusted. And so, uh, so we have a challenge, right? So first of all, I think each market um, and, and country should be asking itself, you know, is there a need and a role for um, inform information as a public good, right? And some countries have a highly trusted national broadcast service, many countries do not. Right. So is that something that it makes sense for governments to provide, perhaps even on certain topics? Right. And what can government do there? Um, however, we believe there's also until the media industry, right, sorts itself out. We believe there's a very, very strong role for business to play as well, because being in a state of chaos and complete distrust is not helpful to consumers or companies trying to manage supply chains internationally and globally, right? So companies need to think about, and I mean every company, right, across industry sectors, need to think about what is their role in making sure that people have access to trustworthy information, starting with their own employees. We have seen a huge upsurge in the last few years of people saying they expect their employer to help them navigate complicated issues, such as what is the right thing to do when it comes to the pandemic or when it comes to issues such as climate change or even racism and other inequalities, right? They wanna know what their company thinks because my employer is my most trusted institutional relationship right now. Right. So think about your employees, especially if you're a large company and you can influence hundreds of thousands of people, not only the people that work directly for your company, but their family and your local communities as well. We're even seeing examples of large companies stepping in and providing community level information in many ways to fill the hole that is left by formerly by local news organizations right, that through consolidation and changing business models maybe are no longer able to do that job themselves, right? So what, you know, should you be talking about issues that directly um, relate to your business? Yes. But should you also perhaps be giving people access to resources and local calendars and other types of events and, you know, ways of just reconnecting communities to each other? right, in a way that is trustworthy and reliable. So I think even more so than government, you know, while government thinks about the appropriate role and the right kinds of regulations, and while smart innovators and entrepreneurs are working on tools and use, you know, things like blockchain and thinking about how to make that part of the equation, business needs to step in, right, because we desperately need to, um, return to a place of just a little bit more trust so that we can have conversations to solve big problems. Wow. That's, that's such an insightful answer. And the, the, the uh, companies being the most trusted sources in, in, in many aspects, right? Yes. Uh, 
globally and in uh, pretty much every Western country that we survey, the number one most trusted institution is my employer. Which is wonderful if you make the bridge to your employer or your working environment being the community where you live and spend so much of your time. Yes, absolutely. And that is true both in the uh, virtual workplace that we live in now, right? Because we also are now part of a community that extends in many ways, you know, more so beyond the physical space, right? So I think in some ways, this period that we're living through now, and perhaps, you know, we'll always have now a more hybrid approach to work, you know, might allow us to think about what those communities look like in an even more expanded sense and expanded way. So the impact that employers can have is, is enormous. Um, and for the first time this year, business as a, in general, is a trusted institution as well, right? So even for people who are not directly employed by companies, in general, they have, tend to have more trust in innovations, uh, in information and points of view that are brought by, say, CEOs than they are in, I'm sorry to say, journalists or government leaders. Right. So we uh, I think we need to ask CEOs to be part of the solution to this problem as well. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. And um, I would highly recommend all listeners to check out the Trust Bar Barometer, not only now, but forever. And <laughs> um, last question. And that, that is a moment for you to uh, put your final thoughts as well. Um, trust in media. Did we hit the low? And what? will trust of media be by the end of this decade? Oh, gosh. I, um, I try to avoid playing crystal ball. Um, I do think that if the media, unless the media makes some very, you know, serious changes, um, I'm not sure that we have seen the bottom uh, of trusted media, right? And I think somehow news companies, yes, continue to, you know, play on the fact that the people who are fans of your station, of your channel, of your journalist, you know, will continue to trust you. But if you make your, if you build your audience based in, an, in a way that isolates the community, you know, the audience from others, then um, then I think you're really contributing to the problem. And so we need to find ways to highlight stories that show the connections we have to each other rather than focusing just on the differences. Wonderful. And um, of course, I'll put a link of the Trust Barometer in the show notes. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? Let's all do our part every day to bring more trust to the world. Yeah, let's build a trusted, trustworthy internet. So thanks so much, Tonya, for joining us today. Thank you, Sebastian. I enjoyed the conversation. It is well known that today the public trust into media organizations is low. And therefore, we've surveyed a global audience to better understand what publishers can do to increase trust with their audience. We've released these findings in our fresh report called Trust in Publishing 2021. 
You'll find the report, the show notes of this episode, and many other valuable resources at thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Once again, thetrustedweb.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening and therefore being part of the Trusted Web journey. And let's build the Trusted Web together.